You're listening to a message provided by Antioch Bible Baptist Church in Gladstone, Missouri. We intend this to be a helpful resource to you as you grow in your walk with Jesus Christ. This is intended especially for those who are unable to attend our worship gatherings and therefore were unable to hear the teaching of God's Word. This should not replace your gathering with our church as a member. If you're checking us out for the first time and are looking for a church to visit, we hope that you enjoy this content and that it impacts you personally. Thanks for listening. If you have your Bible this morning, I hope you do, invite you to join me in Psalm 23. Psalm 23. We're going through the Psalms together. If, if you're new at Antioch today, thanks for being here. We're, every summer we're taking 10 Psalms in the summer. I think we did, I did the math last week and we've got 12 more years to go. I'll be 78 years old then, but I got, I've already got 150 on the target. So, I mean, that's got to be, hopefully I'll make it and I hope you'll make it, you'll make it too. So it's good. The Psalms are really encouraging and I love the fact that uh, they speak to different parts of our lives, what we go through and what we experience in life. We're at Psalm 23, one of the most famous Psalms in the Bible is Psalm 23. Uh, I've done a number of funerals over the years, and many people request Psalm 23 as a passage to read, and I'm always honored to read that. The Psalms also comprise what we call ancient hymns. Uh, The Psalms were really actually, most of them were actually sung uh, by those in that century that was put together. And so we just see that God uses the Psalms to communicate music, to communicate truth, and to communicate the truth of his, His Word. According to YouVersion Bible app, Psalm 23 is in the top five psalms, 5.6 million views a day. It's hard to believe, 5.6 million. Again, probably the most well-known passage in the Bible. And David penned this psalm 3,000 years ago, but this psalm is just as relevant today as it was when David penned it 3,000 years ago. So I hope you'll be encouraged today. Psalm 23, we read it a moment ago, we're going to read it again and then jump in together with God's word. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lead down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you for the gift of Psalm 23, how it's encouraged my own personal life and the lives of so many people. We thank you that your word is truth. We thank you that you have a word for us today, a word of encouragement. God, use this psalm to teach us, to encourage us, and by your grace, God, to live out our faith in a way that makes much of your name. I think of those in our church family who are going through difficult season. I think today of David German and, and Jenny, David's battling cancer, and I just... It's a, it's a hard one, God. I just pray your grace over them. They're such a sweet couple and part of our family. I think of Bobby and Ann Black and the challenge they've had just physically with Ann's health and then the death of their daughter, Tracy, just 48 years old, passed away. And we, God, ask your grace over them. Think of Larry and Cassie Kruger 
They've been a part of Antioch for 30 plus years and just going through a challenging season as well. And we just pray your grace over these individuals. Uh, you would encourage them. I know in the room here today, we, we, we bring life with us in this room. And so God today, use Psalm 23 to be a song of encouragement, to remind us that you are with us. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for the truth of your word. We give our time to you. I thank you for each person here. Thank you for our dads. Thank you for our men's in the room. That God, you would encourage them. May we live our lives well. May we serve our families well and serve you well. And we give our time to you, we pray in Jesus' name. And together, church, we said, amen. amen. Psalm 23, a psalm of encouragement. How many today need encouragement, amen? The psalm of encouragement. We're going to look today at the three areas. First, the Lord is my provider. The Lord is my protector. And the Lord is my promise keeper. I owe that third one to my wife. Thank you, Judy, for helping me with that. I was kind of trying to get provider, protector. I just get weird with that, some other kind of name. But I promise keeper. I think that, what do you guys think? Think that works? I put you on the spot. Thank you, baby. I, I just, uh, I had to just get that P, that P in there. I got to get that you know, protector and provider and promise keeper. Okay, I just, that's, I, I go too far, right, with that, right? I like what he says, the Lord is my shepherd. The word my communicates this is personal. This is my shepherd. This is mine. The word Lord here, the Lord is my shepherd. The word Lord is the word Yahweh or Jehovah. It speaks of God's great covenant name. Literally means I am that I am. He's a God that's always been and will always be. I am self-existent, he says. I am self-sufficient. I am above. We would say that he is eternal. Eternal. Given 3,000 years ago, yet this passage lives today because God, the Lord, is our shepherd. Our shepherd. David wasn't writing about a distant God. He was writing about a God that was present. Please know this, church, that God is with you. God is for you. He never abandons us. He's not absent. God is a God who is present. I shall not want, communicates, he provides for us. We may not get all that we want to get. We may not have all that we think we should get or have, but he is faithful to provide for us. He's faithful. I shall not want. It has the idea that all my needs are supplied by the Lord. He's my shepherd and he supplies every need that I have. Could you say today that he is providing for you? Amen. God, he provides for us. He is faithful to provide for his people. He communicates a personal relationship that he had with the shepherd, with the Lord. Let me give you a picture of a sheep here. How many ever grew up in areas where there were sheep? Anybody rural areas? Let me see your hands out there. Okay, yeah. We lived out in Idaho and we had the, what was Judy? Was it the Basque groups, the Basque? And they actually had like uh, trailers out there. They would actually just spend the entire summer just out there. You could, just, you could drive in the, and just see them out there all the time. So that's kind of a picture. This is actually a picture in the area of Israel. And so sheep were big. Shepherds were important. Shepherds would guide them and lead them and take care of them. Being a shepherd was a 24-hour job. You, just, you had to be always on it. Sheep are really are dumb. Uh, sheep don't always get it, so you need a shepherd to help them. 
sometimes I'm not where I should be. I don't, you know, it just, he helps us. He's a shepherd that helps us on the job scale. Shepherds were at the very lowest. If you ever watch any Western movies, they'll see cattle and sheep together. No, they don't, they don't, they don't mix. Uh, sheep tend to just tear up the territory. They eat the grass short and make a problem with all that kind of stuff. And so what he says here, I just want to walk through this together with you, each section here. This phrase, he leads me by still waters. A gentleman by the name of Philip Keller has written a book called A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23. It's a great book that helps us understand what sheep are like and what a shepherd was responsible for. He goes on to say here that, that sheep are timid. Uh, they're fearful. Uh, they don't lie down someplace unless they know there's not a problem or they're free from fear. Shepherds lead their sheep to green pastures. Uh, he tells us that sheep will tend to eat at the same place and just stay at the same place all the time. So you have to have a shepherd that just, that just moves them along to, to green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. Speaks of the shepherd taking care of the physical needs of the sheep. Water would be absolutely essential. Sheep wouldn't, wouldn't drink from water that was running or moving. It had to be still waters. Oftentimes, a shepherd would, take, would, would uh, dam up an area so the sheep wouldn't be fearful. Sheep are very fearful, and just he had, they had to protect them and to watch them and to take care of them. The phrase, he restores my soul. It speaks to us. The word soul here is a reference of the entire person that you are. It's, it's, our, it's our soul. And he says, God restores us to wholeness. The shepherd revives the sheep if necessary to help them and to encourage them. Philip Keller says that sheep will turn over on their backs and they can't get up by themselves. And the term is cast down sheep where a sheep with all the wool will roll over and just kind of flails there, can't go over. So the shepherd has to come and help him get over to provide for them and to take care of them. Without the shepherd, he's not restored and the shepherd will restore him and to help him. The psalmist put it this way in Psalm 42 and verse 11. Why are you cast down? That's kind of that picture. Why are you cast down? Talking to people, but you see the picture of, of sheep. Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil with me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Maybe you feel like sometimes you're just on your back and you just can't get moving forward. And to know that God is with you, that God is your shepherd, God is faithful. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Sheep, again, are creatures of habit, so shepherds are necessary to help move them along. They will follow the same trail over and over again as they're walking, and they just, it causes ruts, and, and all the things that they do can destroy an area. Sheep must be led. The paths of righteousness represents safe paths. It's a shepherd's responsibility to lead his sheep carefully and to protect them, look after them. They're responsible. The shepherd was responsible for the sheep. And again, you and I are a lot like, like sheep. We need to have someone leading us in the paths of a right relationship. Isaiah put it this way, Isaiah 53, 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. 
we've turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him, on Jesus, the iniquity or the sins of us all. All of us, we all go astray, all right? We all can kind of be drift off just like sheep. So God, in this passage, reminds us that he is a faithful shepherd. He is a faithful shepherd to guide us, to direct us, to lead you and I, and to give us and keep us on the right path. Psalm 32 and verse 8 puts it this way. David writes, he says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. I just love that passage. It reminds us that God is in the game with us, that he's faithful, that he counsels us. He knows your name. He knows where you are. He knows today what you're going through in life. I love the fact that I will counsel you with my eye upon you, that God knows where you are. He knows your address, and he is a faithful God. He is a faithful shepherd. So the Lord is my provider, and then the Lord is my protector. Verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. That phrase there, the valley of the shadow of death, represents a, a valley where sheep are taken up. And anybody ever been in a valley area? Uh, there's a ravine there, and you have, sometimes you'll see the sun shining there, but oftentimes the sun doesn't shine very often in in the valley, and what happened is that predators, other animals, lions, whatever it may be, would, would, would prey on the sheep because it was dark and they couldn't see them, and so that he just talks about that, that he leads them. He take, Even though I walk to the valley of death, I will be with you. Uh, it also describes unfamiliar territory. The shadows of the valley were, again, areas where sun wouldn't shine, and they were vulnerable to predators to wait on their prey. Uh, my son uh, lives in Colorado, Durango, Colorado. We were there a few years ago and decided to go fishing. I, I don't fish very often. I'm not a big fisher guy, uh, but, but my son wants to go fishing. Wait a minute, we're gonna, we're, gonna go, we're gonna go fishing. And so we started at the uh, Colorado has Colorado area there uh, in Durango. And so we got our gear together. We began walking up here. And we're, and we're walking up a ravine, a ravine and walking up through a valley. And the farther we walked, the more narrow it got. And we're just almost like there's right here, part of the, the valley over here, not very far. And then the water's running here. So we found a spot. We're fishing. Things are going well. Just a beautiful day. The sun's been shining. And all of a sudden, in about 30 minutes, you know, clouds start coming over, kind of getting darker. And then before you know it, man, it started raining. And I'm talking about it started raining and raining. And my son said, Dad, we, we need to, to get out. We need to get out of here. And so we grabbed our tackle, got together, started taking off. And as we were leaving that area, by the way, just a few minutes, we had, we had water up to, to our, almost to our knees walking down this area. It's just crazy. And so we found this, saw this area of a rock over here kind of hanging out. So we got up underneath that area and just hung out there for about 15, 20 minutes. The rain stopped. The sun came out. I mean, it was all muddy, muddy. But I just thought about that. That just happened so quick. You know, we, we didn't prepare for that. We weren't thinking about that. We experienced, we experienced valleys. Valleys in our lives are oftentimes unavoidable. You know, we don't plan it. It just, it just, it just happens. 
It happens. No one is immune to the valleys of life. No one goes through life problem-free, right? All God's children got problems. All God's children got problems. I've got problems, you've got problems. There's problems right in this room. But the Lord is our shepherd, amen? He's faithful as a shepherd. And maybe today you're going through a difficult, overwhelming experience, a different season, difficult season, that you just seem like, I just can't, I can't go through it. Hear God's word with this. Hebrews chapter 13, verse five and six. The Bible says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. So we can confidently say that the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man can do to me. John chapter 16, verse 33. These words were spoken by Jesus literally hours prior to his crucifixion. He said, these things have I spoken unto you that in me you might have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but be of good cheer, be of good courage. I have overcome the world. That's one of my favorite verses. Right? I've spoken these things to you that in me you have peace. Jesus is a person and Jesus gives us the peace that we need. Isn't, that, isn't it amazing how when things get hard and overwhelming, there, just, there comes that peace in your life, the faithfulness of Jesus Christ, the faithfulness of God in your life. So valleys are unavoidable, unpredictable. You don't get a heads up and get a phone. Hey, a problem's coming at three o'clock tomorrow. So be ready to go. Be ready to go. It doesn't happen that way. It just happens happens. No one plans for a flat tire. Flat tires just happen. And God has a reason for taking me and taking you through these valleys. God has a purpose with that. Every problem has a purpose. Again, the Bible reminds us in Isaiah chapter 41 and verse 10, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. When you feel overwhelmed, God is with you. I, I tell you, church, there are times in my life where I thought God is absent. God isn't in, in, in with you, but God is with you. Please know that God is for you. God is with you, no matter what you're going through. As I thought about valleys, not only are they sometimes unavoidable and unpredictable, but I believe that valleys are beneficial, beneficial. That God has a purpose. God has a reason for taking you through the valleys of life. God allows in your life and my life trials and trouble. Don't raise your hand, but maybe in the room today, you're going through a season that is overwhelming, it is troubling, it is a testing, it is a trial. It's, it's, it's overwhelming. But God uses those trials to produce in your life that staying power. Right? I'm not going to go back to my story years ago. and some have, I've shared that before. You guys have always been very gracious with that. Our church has been very gracious to me over the years. But went through, man, a crazy valley for, for years. For, for years. And God used that I wanted to run, and God said, Bob, don't run. You just, you just stay in the game. Bought a new house, lived there for, I don't know, two years, and just said, we got to sell it. Let's get an apartment. 
I just, I, we gotta, we gotta be, I gotta be ready to run, man. We just gotta be ready to run. But God wouldn't let me run, wouldn't let me run. This church was faithful and encouraging to me. There's people, I look around this room and see your faces here that you spoke truth into my life and made a, changed the whole trajectory of my life. I wanted to quit and God said, you can't quit. Here's what God's word says in James chapter one, verse two through four. Consider it great joy, my brothers and sisters, when, not if, but when you experience various trials. That word various has, means multifaceted trials. Your trial may be different than my trial was. My testing may have been different than your testing is because you know that the testing of your faith does what? Produces endurance. Endurance. And let endurance, here is the key, have its full effect. Sometimes we want to run quicker and let it go. He says, no, and let endurance and perseverance could be word here as a word too. And let endurance and perseverance have its full effect so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. God knew in my life I wasn't mature enough. I'm, I'm, and I'm still growing, amen, church? God, I'm still growing, but God uses that. God uses that. God is faithful. So if you're in that season, I want to encourage you, don't run, remain, endure, persevere, that God has something really good for you outside of that, right? Outside of that. And David reminds us here, I will fear no evil for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. There's nothing really to fear to know that God is, is with you. I know it's easy to say that here and maybe hear that here, but when you're in that moment, it is overwhelming, overwhelming. In this passage, he talks about the rod and the staff. The rod was something about this long. It was used to beat off predators, wild animals. He would use that to even count the sheep, to count them. Uh, sometimes he would use a staff with sheep and all the wool that kind of use that to pry down and see what's going on. Are there any insects or parasites, things that are happening? They would use that, 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 uh, that rod. The staff. Uh, I, I, got, I had a staff somewhere here. Yeah, I made this last night. Uh, <laughs> this staff. It didn't take a long time, but I. But no, not really. I did. But this is really what a staff would look like. Not probably as nice as this. More a little rougher than that. But oftentimes it did have a hook and. Uh, the, this, the guy I was reading here talks about that Keller talks about. They would often take that and just try to pull a, a lamb this way, not harsh, but gently. Uh, you may want to use that for your kids. That's just to help, maybe just <laughs> and just very gently move them. Right? But think about it, the, the rod and the staff. They comfort me. God used the shepherd to comfort his sheep. The rod symbolizes protection and the staff symbolizes correction. That God is faithful. God is faithful. Stay there. All right. Got it. All right. Okay. All right. Psalm 138, verse 2. I will praise your name for your unfailing love and faithfulness for your promises are backed 
by all the honor of your name. What a great reminder. What a great reminder that he is with us. The Lord is our provider. The Lord is our protector. The Lord is our promise keeper. Verse 5 and 6. David writes, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The Lord is the ultimate promise keeper. There are some 7,000 promises in the Bible. I would say memorize one. Have two or three promises under your belt that you, when something comes up, you can just give that right back to God. Give that right back to God. Give that promise back to him. I believe God wants to hear us give his promises back to you. You know, we make promises to people, right? We make a promise to our family dynamic or our, our spouse, make a promise. When we make that promise, it's always it's a, it's an out loud conversation promise. And God wants to hear from us. I praise him for his unfailing love and his faithfulness. The Lord is my promise keeper. And what David does here in Psalm 23, 5 and 6 is that he closes out the psalm celebrating the fullness of God's character. Who he is, what he does, and those who follow him and pursue him in times of crisis. Preparing a table in the presence of the enemies is a word picture. It's a metaphor that describes a military victory and celebration. After a great military victory, the general would ride in on a white horse. He would enter the gates with his troops. They would always prov provide, or I should say, parade the captivities, the captives, and the, and the plunder and the spoil of all the victory that would lead to a grand victory banquet and celebration. That's, that's the picture. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. If you were the host of a victory banquet, you would anoint the guest who arrived with an oil mixture with perfume and spices. It was a picture of, of honor. The cup in this passage is symbolic of abundance and joy and celebration. The Lord is reminding us in these two verses and assuring us that no matter what happens, that we are on the winning side, that God is faithful. God is faithful. He is the ultimate promise keeper. Psalm, excuse me, Romans chapter 8, verse 37. Know in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. By God's grace, we can be conquerors through him because of his love for us. Preparing a table is also in this passage a picture of fellowship, a picture of a relationship with God. This idea again of anointing oil has an idea with sheep. The shepherd would notice that sheep are vulnerable for flies and gnats and insects and parasites around their, their muzzle, their face. And so the shepherd would take oil and put that on the muzzle, on the face to protect them from these flies and ants and mosquitoes, all those things. He would provide the oil. Keller goes on to say, 
that sheep, if they weren't taken care of, would actually rub their heads along on side of a, 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 a piece of wood or a tree or a rock, and oftentimes would even kill themselves because they were so crazy with what was happening in their head because of the flies. And Jesus, just like sheep, we need that anointing oil. I'm not talking about a literally anointing oil, but I think about the anointing of the Holy Spirit to help us and to protect us. Romans 8, 26 puts it this way, likewise, the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we don't even know how we ought to pray. Have you ever been there before, church? I don't even know what to say. How to put these words into a prayer. And if you can't even put those words into a prayer, the Holy Spirit, God knows your heart. God knows your thoughts. And he helps us. I love that. Likewise, the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness like a shepherd helps his sheep in his weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, he intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Have you been there where you just don't have the words just to say and to know the Holy Spirit in our life steps in and says, here it is right here. Right? He intercedes for us and gives these, what we need to hear from the Father. He gives the Holy Spirit works for us. That verse 6, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Surely goodness and mercy communicates the goodness and, and the lavish love of God in our life. Mercy is a word that refers and uses this idea of steadfast love, that, that God's love is pursuing you. God's pursuing you. God is faithful. And I'm not faithful that God is faithful. He pursues us with goodness and mercy. And while it's true that we live in a fallen world, challenging season, all kinds of stuff going on in our country, in our world. Psalm 23 assures us that our lives are being overlooked and watched by a good father, by a good God who is present. He makes sure that goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our life. You may not feel like there's mercy following you. It may not feel like goodness is following you, but it is. God is faithful and God is at work. That closing phrase, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever, is a phrase that ends with confidence and assurance. The picture here is no matter what's happening in your life, what's going to happen in your life, you are being followed and pursued by God's goodness and by God's mercy. Think about that, church being pursued by God himself. God himself. His goodness, his love, and his mercy. I would say, Psalm 23, what a promise. What a word. Back in my time of trials, I just over and over and over again would quote Psalm 23. Just give that back to God over and over and over again. And church, you've been there. God is faithful. God is faithful. It may not happen on your timetable, but God is faithful. 
God knows how much time you need to go through this challenge and this situation. God knows that God is faithful. And then when you're on the other side of that, you can look back and see, okay, now I see what God had in mind for me, how God was working in my life. What a God, amen, church? What a God that we serve. What a God that we worship. Let me give you a couple of closing thoughts here. I would say this, number one, make the Lord your shepherd. Make, make, he, he, is, invite him. is he your shepherd? David made it personal. The Lord is my shepherd, my shepherd. Number two, I would say pursue the Lord, pursue him. In David's picture, he, he's pursuing, he's pursuing. God never gives up on us. May we not give up on him. May we just keep pursuing him, his, his, pursuing and growing. Number three, trust in the Lord. Trust. God is trustworthy. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. I'm sure there's story, there ought to be story after story in this room of the goodness of God and his trustworthiness. Amen, church? I hope you've experienced that as a Christ follower. You should experience that. The goodness of God. Number four, resist the enemy. We live in a world that there's all kinds of stuff going on and by God's grace, we keep our focus on him and who he is and not on the news, not on all kinds of stuff out there. I'm not, I'm not anti-news at all. I'm just saying, church, this is all part of God's plan. In the last day, the Bible says, perilous times will come, right? Read your Bible. Back in the days of Job, it was horrible, okay? Horrible things were happening. It's always been that way. It's always been that way. And through all this, God has a plan for that. And may we be found faithful. May we not just hunker down, Okay, and hide ourselves out. May God use our life. May he use our story, amen, in our neighborhood. And God uses it in our work environment. May God use us in a way to, to lead people, to point them to Jesus Christ. Number five, I just would say stay in the word. Stay in the word. Um, it's not always easy to stay in the word. Um, I'm going through the one-year Bible right now. And I just told my wife this morning, I said, man, this, the last couple of days, last week, I've gotten so caught up in stuff that I've, I read maybe a portion, but not, not nothing that I knew that God wanted me to, to read, right? And so, so, so what's, what's, what do I do? It's just like, today start. Are you with me? So don't, don't give up on it, all right? Don't just stay in the game, all right? Too oftentimes people will read and they, they, they quit for a while and they just quit, right? So I'm not proud about that. I'm just saying, I just, I just let it happen. I just let it happen. I read other, a lot of other good things about God and a lot of things about study and all that stuff, but didn't take time to just take time to just hear from him. Stay in the word. He wants to hear from you. Confess, amen. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for Psalm 23. Thank you for the words you gave David to give to us some 3,000 years ago. 
And these words are so relevant. These words are living words. The Lord is my shepherd. We have a personal relationship with you by faith in Jesus Christ. Forgive me, forgive us when we detour from that gift you've given us. Thank you for the convicting work of the Holy Spirit in our lives and how you work in our lives and challenge us and convict us. Thank you for the conviction. It's good. We need conviction. God, it's good. I ask for those in the room today that are perhaps going through a challenging season personally. Maybe it's a family dynamic. Maybe it's a work environment situation. Whatever it may be that God, you remind them that you are with them in it. You are using this to grow them and to invest in their lives and to produce in their life just staying in the game. Staying, don't quit. Don't, don't just stay in the game. Remain faithful. God, may that be true of us. Before I close out the prayer this morning, perhaps in this room today, there are some who are going through a, a trial, going through a, the val- a valley. And you just raise your hand and say, right now I'm just going, I'm going through one of those situations right now, a valley, a situation, you'd hold your hand up in prayer. Amen, church. Thanks for being transparent over here, back here. Thank you. Thanks, sir. Right, yes, ma'am. Thank you, sir. Father, I thank you for these individuals, both men and women who raised their hand a moment ago and a raised hand to let you know, and you already know what they're going through, that you would use Psalm 23 to encourage them. I know these seasons can be overwhelming and it's, they're hard, but God, give them grace sustaining all-sufficient grace to navigate and move through that because when you get on the other end, it's just so good. And you use those trials, God, to change us and to grow us. So we thank you for the trials you send our way to purify us, like putting fire to the goal to purify. You want, you want to purify us and grow us, God, to live in a way that, that honors you. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you, Father, for your goodness. And we give all that to we pray in Jesus' name. And together, church, we said, amen. Thank you for listening. You're always welcome at Antioch. If you desire more information, please go to antiochbbc.org. That's Antioch bbc.org God's best to you